Welcome to another episode of the Beck Lover Podcast, where you might learn a thing or two about life. I'm very happy today. I'm happy because the guest that I got on is a good friend of mine, and I finally get to hang out with him in New York and New Jersey for once. I got my man, Lorenzo Antonucci, in the house, straight fresh from L.A., back on the East Coast, and I managed to get this guy in the studio. It's like... Lorenzo, trying to get you on the phone is like trying to get Mick Jagger on the phone. No, come on. Beck, thank you for having me, bro. I appreciate the, you know, the invite. Um, it's good. It's great to see you here, not in L.A. You know, I like it. I like being with my East Coast fam out here. You know, it's also, it's also good to be in L.A. because that's how we kind of keep it, you know. I mean, listen, can, you, you know. literally just got back from Cannes. Oh. Con. How do they? How do? How should people actually I mean, say? Cans, it? How con, do they say it? They say cans, con. But I know. Of, how do uh, the French say it? Con. con. Yeah, con. They don't pronounce the s. Um, but I was in Monaco, at F one. You know, Gordon. Shout out to Gordon Bijelanic. He took. You know, he 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 blessed me out there. He showed me the ropes and can and. I mean, I saw Monaco. you guys pulling up to some freaking crazy boats, bro. We. They're not even boats. They were like. Cruise no, ships, bro. No, I, I just, they were both, the two that we were, you know, <laughs> you know, excited to be on, except, you know, just to be welcomed on was, was there were 300 foot yachts, you know, 150 to $200 million. Can you and say whose boats they were or not? I don't want to say that because I don't know if I could. But you got to have know. serious money to own that type of shit. Yeah, you know, they're billionaires. They're just, they're, 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 they're super wealthy. They were the 1% of the 1%. Did you walk through the yeah, those yachts? Yeah, yeah, went to crazy. The, you know, they they, you know, I my one of my best friends and business partners, and two of my good friends actually, they both have beautiful like one hundred and five to one hundred and ten foot yachts, but you know, and they're phenomenal to be in. I mean, it's just another level it's of a luxury. floating mansion. It's man. a floating mansion, but when you're on a three hundred foot vessel, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's another. It's just a whole other. World. It's like you don't even know how to. You don't even know how to rationalize and wrap your head around how you got there when you come from nothing. When you come from a world of like, I gotta find out how I'm gonna get that bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich for five dollars or two seventy five with a soda. That's the world I come from. I mean, your life starts where, Lorenzo? Where did you start? Jamaica Queens, Hundred Seventh Street. And I'm still there. My dad's still there. I'm still in the same apartment that I was as a kid. The same room I was a child in, I still have it as my little office and bed where I could just keep my stuff there when I come from um, L.A. or, you know, when I spend time in Georgia or Florida. You know, I yeah. definitely I definitely have my little spot in New York, but it's it's very humbling. So it's where I came from, and it's it's old. It's real. And it's it reminds me of who I am. You know, it straight up does, so... And it's a, you know, it's a, it's in the middle of, uh, you know, the streets that I grew up. Mm. Italian upbringing? More Puerto Rican. So my mom was from Puerto Rico and my father's from Naples. And being that, my grandmother lived, we were from East New York. And when I, when I was born, I was born in, in Brooklyn and then the first couple of years we lived in East New York and then New we York was in. a rough neighborhood, oh, bro. It's a rough neighborhood. Uh, Shout out to the East. The Pennsylvania East. Avenue. That's exactly what it was on. Pennsylvania and Alabama. So we pretty much went from East New York to Jamaica and 107 
my grandmother moved there. They they bought a house in that area. Oh, my my uncle Tonio, he 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 had a house there, and then my grandmother rented there, and that's where they used to drop me off to get babysit. My mom and dad would work in in Brooklyn. Your dad was born here. No. Naples. So he's first generation. I'm first generation. That's what I'm saying. You're first yeah, generation, yeah. but he literally came from My Italy. father came from Italy in 1960. He was born in 1932, so he was 28. My mother came from Puerto Rico when she was 15 and moved to East New York. So both in Puerto Rico. Uh, yeah. And they met each other here. Mm-hmm. And the rest is history. I'm the bastard because my, my mother was married, had my sister uh, Pitusa um, and Pito, and then my father was married and had... His, uh, my, my sister, uh, Joanne, and my aunt, my brother, Angelo. So I'm the only kid from my mom and dad together. So I got half brothers and sisters. It's a nice combination, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm lucky. You speak either, either of the languages? Yes. Which one? Both. Seriously? Mm-hmm. One better than the other. Spanish better than Italian, but Spanish no. is more commonly used. I think the, yeah. whole, the whole country. Well, that's the that's the, to the reason why I was more of a Puerto Rican upbringing is because my grandmother, my whole family lived there, and it was a whole Puerto Rican side. So I was raised with all my cousins, and you know, my I had my grandmother had ten kids, so we had you know cousins everywhere. So you were good. You were like an honorary Albanian, basically. Yeah. You had like one thousand. A lot of Albanians. One of my one of my childhood friends, Angelo, was Albanian. I remember he looked Italian. It's the same kind of world, Italians and Albanians. Very, 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 similar. very similar. But you know what's nice for you is you had two different ethnic groups you don't want to fuck around with as your cousins. <laughs> yeah. Especially during those times. Yeah. What and, was it like, brother, talented. growing up? I mean, listen, let's let's call it for what it is. Those neighborhoods, I'm very familiar mm. with those neighborhoods. Mm. Where are you from exactly? Well, born actually born in Texas. Okay. But didn't grow up there. Right. Uh, family was in the Bronx, but for the most part on this side of the Hudson. This is pretty much, you know... This very same world we all Edgewater, Cliffside Park, mm. you know. But Edgewater was really a rundown town up until about 25 years ago. It was all rundown factories. Everyone used to make fun of us. Now it's like uh, Beverly Hills, you know. Yeah, well, hence Beverly Hills, what you said earlier. When, when Literally. I up. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to get to, you know, the fact that, you know, you're, 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 you're acting and, 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 and producing and you're doing and, all kinds of really and cool directed. stuff. And directed. I directed my first feature. And so I want to get into that. But before we get to that, I always like people to kind of know, like, what it was like. So you grew up in some pretty dangerous neighbors. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. You had gangs. You had the mob was around at that time. One million percent. Did you stay out of trouble? Did you get in trouble? Well, I mean, what were you like as a kid? I was with Because it's people, hard not to. You know, I never really went into details of my childhood upbringing. But, you know, I grew up with some people that are... Let's just say away forever. They'll never come home for things they've done. So you had um, that around you? Like 10 of them that are still people that are, that, are, that I grew up with. I mean, some of them I talk to them, some of them I don't because of what they did. And it had nothing to do with me. It's just, I mean, the evil in them just makes you regurgitate them. You can't even look at them. How could you even, you know... You know, I, these are people I knew from when I was a kid. And, and one specific person who's doing 188 years, you know, which you can't really do 188 years, but that's what he was sentenced. Um, my father always said when we were kids, because we would, you know, be on the rooftops, throwing bricks at the train, the J train, you'd be in knuckleheads. And we were always like, do the sleepovers and all that when we were kids, you know, second grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. He always hated this guy. He never liked him around. Never felt, like felt the energy. Well, I said once he was convicted, 
I said, Dad, how did you know about this individual? And he goes, you could see the devil in his eyes as a kid. So it's scary when, you know, and my father is very intuitive. I mean, he was, he grew up in World War II. He was 14 when the war How ended. old is he now? 91. He looks amazing. Yeah, he looks amazing. I saw you had him in the Rari the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Yeah. He looks, he looks like a man that's lived many lifetimes. He has. And he has these one-liners that are just genius. And it's just because of his life experience. Not even, like, you know, because he's so educated. The it's just school. the life he lived. And he says these things, you know, like even when it comes to drinking, you know, ah, it goes down so smooth and then comes the snake, you know? And I would always like, yeah, whatever. When I was, I haven't had a drink in 10 years, but. I'm hitting, I'm hitting 10 years this that's uh, October. Amazing. 10 years. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. That's big. I don't miss it at all, brother. No. At all. No, uh, red know. wine for the taste. Yeah. Well, but I heard they, they have non-alcoholic ones. How, you ever tried it? Not the red wine, but I've had tried the non-alcoholic beers. I have once in a while. I'm kind of like in the subculture now. I yeah. drink a lot of kava, kava root. I don't know if you've mm. had a chance to mm. try it. You definitely should while you're in town. You should go get one. I love it. There's a lot of really creative people. There are a lot of artists. A lot of people that are in recovery. Um, I drink Crowdon tea, although I try not to drink it too much. And uh, I'm actually loving this new drink called Kin that Kin. I just discovered. And I believe Bella Hadid is involved in it. Nice. It's freaking amazing, bro. No oh. side effects. I feel good instantly. If let's say you have like a little bit of an edge where you might have wanted a drink in the old days, I wish I had a drink because you haven't Right, had right. It. You need some kind of like... Uh, it's wonderful, bro. You know, I don't really smoke weed or any of that stuff. Mm, so it's yeah. like, for me, it was like, it's nice because you miss the social component. And let's be real, in New York City... Unless you're drinking, everything revolves around freaking drinking. It's yeah. like, I'm glad the cafes are kind of coming in now. They're not mm. all Starbucks. Yeah. But that's one thing I love about Europe. People in Europe go to a cafe, have a cup of coffee, and talk for hours. Yeah. We don't really have that in New York City. That's, that's a good point. It's all about alcohol, bro. And yeah. that's the one part of the European culture that I absolutely love. I love Europe. I'm so proud to be a European citizen. I have my EU. Yeah? I'm a yeah, I'm a Italian citizen because my father never gave up his citizenship, so... My father, being he was uh, he always had a green card, and he was just a resident, pretty much. Which it doesn't gave me the gave me the, the the eligibility to get a um, EU. So I'm I'm Italian citizen. I go through the borders like nothing. You know, when I land, you use the EU passport. I use the EU passport. Yep. Shit, maybe I yeah. should get mine. The only problem is Albania's not in the EU. Yet. Yeah. They're getting there. I'm sure. They're dying to get They're in NATO. If they're in NATO, I'm sure at some point it will be. Yeah, they're giving them guidelines, man. Um, What a wonderful trip it looked like you had, man. You went to some great parties. I I think you went to Richie Akiva's party, no? Yes. Yes. Um, um, I've been seeing him a lot lately. I've been going to the NED. You got to come down Wednesdays too, bro. I'm glad that you're in town for a little bit. We got to go. They have a comedy show they do on Wednesdays at the NED. It's wow. mem- members only place, but beautiful. Wow, wow! And you never know what you're gonna get with Richie Akiva. There's always some celeb that pops in. Yeah, Last no, week I was there. He and does his thing for sure. It's connected. Yeah. Grab Robin Thicke just comes out of nowhere, grabs yeah. the mic and sings. I'm like, we didn't. I expect. seen him. I can. He was having. We were having lunch next to him. <laughs> he just yeah, he just came there. and grabbed the mic, mm-hmm. which is what I really like about the the, the Ned experience. Um, you know, it's members only. Really cool beautiful they run it the right way because it was formerly the nomad hotel mm. it's on 28th and broadway but wednesday every night mike young takes over 
Oh, I know Mike. Uh, I don't know. I don't know him personally, but I know I've met him at Air One because I believe he lives in that area in, 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 in Beverly Hills. He's a Detroit guy, right? Detroit. Yeah, I think yeah. he's more in Detroit. I think he right was now? at Danny A's party. I think he was at. I just don't know him personally. I know everybody cool. else. There. Cool. Everybody else knows him. That I'm cool with. You know? Cool dude, bro. Real cool. Uh, funny man. You know, humble. You know, he was on tour with Bob Saget for a while until wow. he passed. You know, God rest yeah. his soul. But yeah, we gotta go to the, we gotta go to the net on a Wednesday night, man. Bob Saget was a man. He really was. He was hilarious. That guy was the opposite of what we thought he was as kids, right? Like the the character he portrayed. Mm-hmm. But uh, I yeah. think he was what we portrayed in Entourage. Exactly. <laughs> and speaking of that, that's how me and you met each other. Yeah. Shout, shout out, out to Rob Weiss. Shout out to Rob Weiss, our brother out in LA, one of the most talented, if not. Yeah. I think the yeah. most, uh, that's my favorite show of all time. So yeah. I'm going to say the most talented writer in the fucking world. Yeah. I don't care. I love all yeah. the other writers and I hope the, 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 the speaking of which, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a strike going on right now, right? Yeah. WGA strike. It happens every couple of years, correct? No, Sometimes. it hasn't happened since um, 2007 or 2008. I think the entourage days that Rob said they went for strike for a hundred days. I was, that was before my time in the business. So I wouldn't have known. I, I didn't know. Um, but yeah, the strike is, um, you and know, it affects everything in the industry, right? It's affecting everything. So when they, you know, and, and, and I gotta say like with everything that's going on, I think another concern, I think everyone has, even me, myself as a podcaster, I just interviewed Vernon Reed. He was 66 best all time guitarist mm-hmm. discovered by I Mick Vernon. Jagger. I didn't, I, I, I wasn't an expert in that, in that genre of music, but we had a conversation about AI. He's going to be at the New York university music conference actually in two days i might Mm -hmm. be going also but and we had this conversation about ai it might replace everything you me actors i mean i think the writer strike is a little bit about that too it's like yeah you know how far is far enough and if we change society that much i don't want to just sit in the house all day bro and get a universal income or whatever the hell they call it i and i i think and i i came up with something so i want to be on the record I think if it goes that route where AI starts taking over acting and this and that, I think then what needs to be done is that it needs to be put, just like we have organic food, this is an organic art. Yeah. This was organically produced. It means it was human beings that acted in it. It was human beings that spoke and not a computer. And I think that would be one way to protect the artistry of everything that all of us do. The concern of AI is real. But my take on it is... For VFX and stuff like that, or just coming up with an idea and being creative in a way that, yeah, that can write your story or write a script, it's still not going to be, you know, a person with heart writing it. So you have to sit there and edit it. It's going to expedite, make things faster. I think it'll help a lot with VFX and make... What does that indip- mean for us people? Well, that uh, visual effects. Okay, visual you know, effects. Okay. VFX will be you know, easier to do for smaller movies. Independent movies are going to have the capability of making, you know, sci-fi look even more cooler or making the backgrounds or or shooting whatever you can shoot in these areas where you can't shoot because you, you just don't have the location. You could build it in this world. I think that that's cool. But what AI is never going to happen what, what, what I think that AI, and I'm going to go on the record saying this, is that I don't think that AI is ever going to get accepted in the Academy Awards or get accepted in the Emmys where people who have to work 
to get those awards and not a computer or a fake actor is going to win an, an Oscar. That's just not fair. It's just, it's just, it's, I don't think the, you know, the people that control the, the awards would, uh, you know, any of those, you know, higher ups would ever allow that. I just think that that makes no sense in, and that being said, what, you know, what's left is the realism of, you know, acting and, and, and a director directing and being able to make art the way it is. It's all about the heart. AI doesn't have heart behind the art, behind the heart. The person creating the AI might have heart, but it's still going to be manufactured. So it's, I don't think that, I think it's going to help in ways, you know, I think it's going to help a lot of the hard work, but I don't think it's going to replace everyone like Uber replaced taxi, but it, that just gave those taxi drivers a new job. They converted those taxis into Uber cars. You know what I mean? Like the, it, 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 I feel like that was an easy transition, but everybody think like, Oh my God, it's taking over the whole tag. There's no such thing as taxi only in Monaco because there's no Uber in Monaco. That was just hilarious how you couldn't get an Uber in Monaco. But I gotta admit though, New York City though, brother, I'm I'm hailing the yellow cabs more now than the Uber. It's it's still quicker. I think for New York, the yellow cab can still dominate. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of waiting for the Uber. I just when if there's enough of the yellow cab, I'm always just yeah. and, and I'm out. Yeah, yeah. I, but I in agree. other areas, it's yes, it's way more convenient. It can be more cost effective. It takes out a lot of the shenanigans. A lot of, of shenanigans. Of traveling, safety concerns for the Too most part. Too many shenanigans in this uh, town, in this world, in this business, and especially in Hollywood. That's shenanigators. I wanted to hit a point on what you were saying about the AI. I kind of made a similar statement, and I think it's exactly what, what you're saying. I think what AI challenges us to question as actors, writers, anything that it can affect. But when we're talking about the arts is what is the definition? I think by making this definition clear to the world of what art truly is, is how we protect. To me, my definition, because it's like if we're both looking at a picture, brother, what you might get from it I'm, might be completely different my interpretation or whatever. And only the artist really knows what it was. And sometimes they let you know what it was and sometimes they don't. But for me, art is the human. And we start with that word. The human expression. Yeah. And, and I that a computer you. can't do. No, because it's it's like I'm seeing this and I'm I'm kind of peeking into someone's soul. Yeah. When someone's doing that performance, like one scene that stands out for me is like when Al Pacino, even though it was my least favorite of the three, was the Godfather three. But that last scene when he cries when his daughter gets killed. Yeah, on the steps. I fucking cried, bro. Yeah. I felt something from that through a screen, which was... He drew upon something there, but it wasn't like he just acted that. He pulled something out of his fucking experience. Soul. You pulled from experience, and it was just like ah, like I uh, killed me. It was one of the greatest crying scenes I think ever, in my opinion. But yeah. so yeah, AI to me, it, it, for the art side of it, I understand if it helps with VFX mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. But the expression of the human being—that's something that can never be replaced by AI, and I think it needs to be protected. Yeah, you know. And art is a form of, can be a form of rebellion. It can be a form of expression. People graffiti in its simplest yeah. forms. Even since the Roman Empire, when they go look in the streets of Pompeii, they found. I've been to Pompeii. You know, graffiti. Been, they found they found all, all, people leaving their names, drawing other people, drawing. Yeah. Graffiti against the politicians. Yeah. Even back then, 
2,000 so, years ago. Yeah. And I guess we'll go off on a tangent there. I mean, I don't think it happened by accident, bro. Pompeii. What, the Vesuvio? I think it was a punishment, bro. I'm sorry. They had more brothels in that town than they had anything mm-hmm. else. Did they get into any of that? I've never been there, but did they get into all that or no? I never heard. I, I was a kid when, when I was there. I was 11 years old. Oh, okay, okay. So I, I, I just remember how beautiful the city was and how still and everything. seeing frozen dead people, literally. It was insane. You see their bones sticking out of their toes and their elbows. It was crazy. Their faces uh, like that. Yeah, you see, like a mo- <laughs> like a, a mother with her kids, it's or crazy. or a, like a couple fossilized. It's pretty wild. But um, when you get into the history of it, it was a pretty. Let's, I just think it was. I think it was a punishment, bro. That's yeah, the Roman Empire was, was the, the Roman <coughs> the Empire Bacheria. was evil, man. I mean, the they, they were. It was an evil. They were evil, man. They were hard. They Towards were, they the were, end of it. Yeah, yeah, they were evil, bro. Ex- excess both, like they say, you know, you have too much of everything, and then, you know, you figure out creative ways to do crazy shit. Yeah. When you lived in New York, were you acting or? Never. So how do, so what did you do to sustain before you became as an, became an actor? Did you work at all in those I was years? I was in a band called Sworn Enemy, and we toured the world for 10 years. So I was always an, an artist. Um, so you've always we, been in the arts. Yeah, we, we, we got signed to Elektra in 2002. Our first record came out in 2003. We were touring from like 2000 until 2009 and when I left. But, you know, I did that my whole life. You know, I, I worked at a body shop, Pete and Joe's Auto Body. Uh, with with a person who, who's like my father, who's my father's best friend. He's like my second dad, Joe Joe Broccoli. He uh, raised me in the in a body shop. Started me with the broom. I was fourteen. I didn't want to go to school. I was I dropped out in seventh or eighth grade, whatever it was, and I went to work. And I and I bought my first guitar by doing that. And then that led me to travel the world. At one point, do you think that starting to work at an early age probably kept you out of major trouble in your life? Mm-hmm. Kept you well, kind of away from the Nonsense! You had good working people as mentors. Well, I, the 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 people that I grew up with taught me common sense. Was I don't want to do that? I'm raised by you know better parents, or not? You know, I, let me rephrase that because it's not the parents' fault all the time. But to some of them, yes, their parents were awful people. Um, I don't have to mention names, so it doesn't matter. But. <clears throat> That's why I say, like, even when you see someone that's done horrible in their life, sometimes it's, like, hard to, like, judge people. You don't know what the trauma they've been through, yeah. they how to handle it. So, like, there's some sympathy. Yeah. I would say you have to have some mercy in your heart. But it's hard when they do some of the things they do, you know. But, like I say, it, you know, you don't know what someone's been through, man. You know? No. You don't. And that's the reality of the world we live in. And... When I would see my friends, you know, one of my best friends and dear friends did six years or seven years in jail for something he didn't do. He was convicted um, for robbery, robbing two women because the suspect was a Puerto Rican with an orange cap on. He had an orange Columbia jacket on and they bagged him and he was already on parole for something else. Six years. And he got six years. And I went to visit him at least once a year, and I did, I kind, you know, I did the bid with him. You know, I would take all the phone calls, send the money, whatever I could to help. Um, and you know that, and the other people that have gone for life since ninety nine, ninety eight that I've known since I was a kid, 
all that was, you know, yeah, I got in trouble. You know, of course I was a knucklehead, you know, I was in the street, but I never got to that level. And I always wanted something more. And I always knew that I had something, I had a better heart or I had more quality in life. I had beautiful family behind me that everybody that was always doing something positive. You know, my mother, my mother was a lady who cleaned the, the Queens County courthouse. That's what was her job. She was a maintenance lady there. You know, my father was do making uh, suits, and on the side he was uh, he was uh, well he was a tailor at a factory, and he made some between my two parents they made six hundred bucks a week. I mean, you know, how do you live on that? You know, that's that's two pa- that's two people. So I had to go to work to make I don't know one hundred and fifty a week at the time, and I and that's how I survived, and that's how, you know, I was forced to get up in the morning. So I couldn't be out all night, even though I was out all night, but it would keep me from making my dad mad. You know, and I never wanted to break my mom's heart. So that's what kept this me from think, the knucklehead shit. You know, the world that we live in, you know. Yeah, later. Why it's important, you know, why, it, it, you know, especially for, for boys, man, they Thank need you. they need that male role model, man. They need that positivity. They need that, I don't want to let this guy down. I don't want to let my dad down, my uncle, whoever is raising them. It can just be, you know, foster parent, whatever it is to have that positive. I think boys need it, man. Otherwise we do go off the charts. We feel maybe not desired or not loved. And we need that, that guy that's like, yo, I got your back. You're young. I love you. You got to be good. Life's going to be hard. It definitely gets hard. I agree. And, I think part of the problem that we're facing in the world today is that there's that there's a significant lack of strong men in people's lives. The divorce rate, you know, again, these are my opinions, not yours. Um, you know, a lot of marriage, you know, people not getting married, just having kids, and they don't, you know, if you're not living together, you don't have what we call the nuclear family, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that this is all affecting society, and they've done studies on this. You know, uh, most violent crimes are committed from single-parent homes. Yeah. Fact. It's not something. It's not something we can sit here and debate. It's it's a fact. So clearly, you know, to to do an effective job, we need we need both parents, man. And if they're not married, at least co-parent. And I feel like there's a lot of that lacking. Yeah, if you got no love, you got no love to give. You don't know what it you is. You don't care. You know, if you're not loved, how do you love somebody? If you if you don't love yourself, you know, like you're just pure evil. You know, you don't know anything, you know, so it's it, it's hard to, you know, judge these people because, I mean, I grew up with them and I know that what they, what they, their parents were like, you the know. The foundations weren't strong. The foundations were horrible, you know, drug addicts, crackheads. They were maybe you know? being abused themselves, beat yeah. up or hit yeah. or whatever. You know, doing the most nastiest things you can imagine to get drugs. You know, I remember seeing it. You know, and you, their own friends would do to sell the drugs to their parent, their friends' parents. It's, uh, or they, 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 they would sell their drugs to their own mother and father. I mean, it's just, I seen it all. You've seen the bottom of society, brother. Yeah. And you right. came out of one of the worst neighborhoods. You know, I had Mike Dowd on my show. Mike Dowd was the most infamous cop, the seven one. He was based in East New York. Right, he was the corrupt cop. Or seventy third. Yeah, great guest. This guy can. So he just got. All, he's all over the papers right now too. He walked into one police plaza, and he wasn't there to create any chaos. I forgot what he posted. Some picture in there. Now they they banned him. They put him on the front page of the Post again. They're like, you're not allowed here. 
He's like, well, I'm probably going to sue you guys because I am a citizen. I'm paid my time. I'm allowed to walk into the police plaza. Right? So what? Because you were in jail, when you come back out, you can't go to the police station and say, I need help? I mean, I feel like, you know, having friends and, and, and family that have gone through the system, I feel like they really do just set you up for failure when you get back out, man. You're not allowed to do this. Not allowed. So how the hell are you supposed to get back? You, you paid your time. You paid your dues. How is someone supposed to be productive if you're forcing them back into the it's, to the swamp? So it's like it's a failed system. And I just bumped into one of my dear friends growing up. You know, he's one of my brothers, you know, and he just came home. And he's my age and he's still, he's like, this is who I am, bro. I was like, yo, you need to, he's like, bro, I'm this, this is who I'm always going to be. You know, jail doesn't bother me. I go in, I come out. When it's winter, I go in for just to get it so I don't got to buy a new winter coat. You know what I mean? It's it's sad, but that's the that's the upbringing. And I grew up with 30 different guys like that, you know, that are either in forever or in and out forever, you know, and they just don't, they don't have any concept of, you know, why you are the way you are, and, and, and then when you ask them why are they th- that way and how can you want them to change, but then you just got to know that you just can't do anything and you just got to keep it moving because, you know, I think that they're, they could be anchors in your life. So those anchors is what kind of guides you not to be in these predicaments. And the problem with some of these people, and I've had plenty of them in my life too, is that maybe, you know, you, you're trying to be positive in your life. Yeah. And you know, and I know that you can go down even if you're not doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Your friend went down for no reason, yep. and just for being in a picture, and you're not even doing nothing, and just someone that you grew up with, and they think that you don't like them or you don't love them because regardless of what they do, your boys are your boys. Yeah. But you, they need to understand also that hey, I can get in trouble just by hanging out with you, and I'm trying to do something more in my life. Guilty by association, and it's it's real. It's a real thing. So. I like the fact that, you know, knowing the time period you grew up in East New York. Knowing I grew up in Jamaica. In Jamaica. Uh, Street, yeah. But still, it's not. Yeah, it's not. It it's, was, but it's, it's, it's walking distance to East New York, so it's not, it's it's really. Those areas, you know, brother, they were. They're all know, the same. But East New York of, is definitely way, you know, way, way. East New York is its own world. East no. New York and the Bronx are like two different worlds. They're, 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 they're their own worlds of New York's world. You know, it's like you could tell somebody's from the East or you could tell somebody's from the Bronx immediately. And just from accents. Just from accents is the way they, they, Although they, they walk. And, but, you know, you know but, it's start, but it's starting to change, man. Even the accents now, I guess with all the different, you know, groups that are moving in. And Manhattan doesn't even sound like they're from New York anymore. I, I met a bunch of people the other day that weren't even from, and I, they were like, oh, I'm from Ohio. Oh, I'm from North Carolina. I feel like I'm in L.A. And I, I feel like an outsider here. So you got to do basically nine years of your musical passion. More. You toured. Yeah. You, you, you made a living Nine years of professional. What, yeah. was, what was it like, brother? Were you drinking during that time period? <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, a, it was a disaster. It was crazy. It was the best time of my life. All over the world? Everywhere. Europe, this, that. Europe, Japan, Russia, and Ukraine. And the music, music was classified Canada, as what genre? Heavy metal, hardcore. Yeah. So it was just straight hardcore. Yeah, right? straight hardcore. Mosh pits, all that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, everything. And you were what in that band? Guitar player. And I wrote most of the music and um, did backup vocals. I would have my own, like, uh, moments of singing, kind of like uh, Biohazard had two singers, you know. But, you know, I had a similar vibe 
that I have my own little moments where I would come in singing. Um, well, not singing, screaming. I wouldn't call that singing. But, um, you want to Yeah, exactly. Like that? Yeah, you know, just the, the crazy. <laughs> you think I could do it, guys? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of like that music, too. Yeah, Especially, it's, a, it's a great for the gym. I know, uh, gym, and I know it's all the wrestlers will play that kind of music before they come out to matches. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know? So yeah. you, you've always been in the arts. You've always felt an artist. So how do you end up in L.A., and how do you start getting into the rooms with people like? Speaking of wrestling, Sylvester Stallone, Joe Pesci. Oh. I mean, I've seen you meet. You were at dinner with Cher last month, which was what an amazing video that was. When you went like this with your phone, and I'm like, my man sitting next to Cher. Right now. I was just like, I yeah. I think I'm looking at like, you know, it's just uh, watching your Instagram. Which, by the way, we're gonna put that all up here. Like, you guys need to follow my man, man. It's like yeah. watching a reality show. And what I love <laughs> about it is because I don't. I do know who you are. I do know how. You fought to get where you are. I know how positive you are. I listen to your videos. I love it. You're very motivational. You work like a beast. You put me to shame as far. You look younger than me, even though you're older than me. And I'm inspired by you in a lot of ways, my brother. And I'm glad that I got to meet I you. Shout that. out again to Rob Weiss, the whole family, O'Neal, uh, my big Russian brother. Nathan. Nathan. Yeah. Everybody, man. Yeah, love to everybody. I'm um, definitely coming to one of the legendary. I appreciate your kind words, man. Definitely um, coming to one of the legendary lunches at Craig's. Oh hell yeah! You're um, more than welcome. Thursday. I have plus twos now. Hey, at I least a couple I could times. Bring plus two or plus three. Hey, a couple times when I when I went there, they 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 they, they, they with the camera for a quick second. The pop like, who the hell is this guy? They saw the jersey plates. They were like, <laughs> I was like, wow. They probably thought I was like a Tony Soprano stunt double. So when did you go out to LA? 2013. I was told by a former um, partner to come to um, L.A. and become a wrestler, pretty much. When I was living in Austria, I had, an, I had a recording studio back and forth. I was in Austria, in New York, and I, had a, I was recording bands in Austria, and he was asking me, what did I do? What have I been doing? How have you been? And I used to be my agent for my band. Long story long. I turned into a wrestler. I moved to LA. And so I literally for wrestling. Yeah, I trained in the, for, to try to get the tryouts for the WWE, but I never went for it because I hurt my neck. Shout out to my my who's a, you know my mother's cousin, who's like my uncle is Jose Estrada. You know he wrestled Hulk Hogan, the Rock's family. That name is I remember from my yeah, childhood. Yeah, Los Boricuas. That, that that like that's my blood, and I got on a call with him, and he was like. Um, you're crazy trying to be become a wrestler at 35. He goes, I started at 21, got on TV at 27. He goes, you are got a long haul. And that kind of gave me a little bit of a, not a scare, but it just didn't, it, it took the wind out of my sails. And I was like, I got to find something else. So my friend Joey. But you're, but you're in LA now. You're already, I'm in LA. You already left, you I, moved. I have no idea what I'm doing in LA. I'm going to training school for wrestling and, and I'm like, Got long hair. I'm big. I'm like Jack 250. Like everybody's like, oh, you can be like the Triple H meets the Rock from Queens and you know Italian Puerto Rican. Blah blah blah. You speak both languages, you know. And then I came up with this, you know, you know, Bing Bang Boom. You're done. <laughs> boom. You know what I mean? Some like that was my slogan or something like that. I, I didn't do it properly, but that's what it was, kind of. And uh, you know, my main my my name was Lorenzo, the main event, Antonucci. Or when I was a heel, Luscious Lorenzo, <laughs> we had stupid names. So we were coming up with stupid stuff for, 
you know that's the wrestling world. I mean, I don't want to say it's stupid names because it's funny. It's good. It's good for the for the world and the humor. But um, I I was uh, training with uh, a kid that named Joey G- Gaten. He's a good friend of mine, and he was my roommate at the time. And he was getting these checks in the mail, and I would check the mail, and I'd look at this stuff that said SAG. And I'd give it to him, and he'd open it up one time, and he's like, oh, my God, I just got $2,200. I'm like, well, from what? And he's like, residuals. I'm like, what the f- what, what's residuals? He goes, I'm an actor, bro. I was on Two and a Half Men or whatever it was. I said, what? You're an actor? I didn't even know. I had no idea about acting. I was just like, I play guitar. I drank beer, and now I'm a wrestler, and I lift weights. You know, and I and, and if I had to go make money, I was working construction because that's what I I was a carpenter. I knew how to do that. Shout out to Paulie. Shout out to Dave Herbison, everybody who looked out for me in those days when I needed to work. In LA? Charlie. No, in, in New York. Yeah. Um, and um, those those days, you know, I was, he said, you would go and kill it. Just get your headshots and go start acting, bro. You can go, you know, like it's, Meet, I could introduce you to some managers, da, 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 da. and I was like, I was like, what? And this was 2013, and I started to try to try it out, and then I fell in love with the business. But you know, from there, I just been nonstop pounding on it, and it's been hard because I had to see. I was 35 or 36. I think the first movie I did, I was 37 years old. <laughs> I was like. And there was kids already 27, blowing up, killing it, destroying it, driving, for, you know, you know everybody's, you know, Instagram influencers now, and everybody's on, and I'm, like, sitting there like, damn, bro, I'm, like, a way, long ways back. This is brutal because it was starting a whole new career path. Did you draw any inspiration from people like Morgan Freeman who started late? Like, yes. what, how did Morgan you keep yourself? Freeman, Morgan Freeman was mentally my, biggest, my biggest inspiration because, yes, he started at um, in his 40s. He was, he was uh, uh, and so did Samuel L. Jackson, was 42 when he did the shot, in, when he did the scene in Coming to America, he comes in with the shotgun and he robs McDowell's. What advice can you give anyone that's trying to be an actor, whether they're young, older? How can they, maybe how can you save them some time, bro, in their life? Like what pointers can you give them? What, what's the first thing they should do? Besides taking acting classes, which is the album, what what would you do? What can, what nugget can you give back to these people out there struggling? Man, I mean, it's a struggle any day for any actor because even when you're doing great, you got to stay great. So it's a struggle. You know, even when you're killing it, you know, like DiCaprio, the, one of the best ever of all time, you know, and he's got to make sure he stays the best. So he's got to be picky on what he does. He can't just do any movie, you know. He's got to be very picky on his roles and what he picks. And it's a that's a, a broad example, you know. And that's a process in itself because it's not just yeah. it's not just do I like the screenplay. Yeah. Who else is who's in it? Who's directing? Who's directing? Who's opposite me? What's the budget? Who's the producers? There's everything. What flexibility will I have on it if yeah. I don't like something? So there's a lot of different things that go into it. I don't think people but understand. But that's that's a struggle and and being. You know, on that top of the game, everybody would love to be there, right? Or everybody would love to be where, you know, um, you know, Chris Hemsworth is or Channing Tatum or like, you know, anybody with like Jake Gyllenhaal or just be where, you know, with John Travolta, obviously the, the King of Kings, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold, you know, anybody, The Rock killing it. Like The Rock is, you know, just 
killing it. Everybody would love to be there, but to get there, they had to put in a thousand hours a day. And I don't even know if that makes any sense because it doesn't make any sense, but that's how it feels when you, and, and, and I've been noticing that that's what I've been doing to get further and further is just nonstop grinding. Uh, and so I think to anybody who's starting out, it's, you got to be in the mix. And if you're not in the mix, you're, you're just in classes. You got to be in classes and in the mix. You got to learn how you can, you know, utilize what's best in your heart and your capability as a person and what you could give to people and be a person that people want around. Not a taker, a giver, be a giver. Be there for, for, for people that are doing way better than you. Give, buy the coffee, pay for the meal. That's my, that's my um, advice. So networking is probably the most important thing. Well, I hate the word networking. I think it's a... But you know what I mean? Like I opening mean doors. It, yeah, the networking just sounds like... It sounds, you know what I mean? But No, no, I know what you mean. I'm just... But I want to go on record by saying networking to me sounds very... Artificial. Artificial, fake. programmed, um, uh, fraudulent. Like uh, it's, a, it's a fraud. I'm, I'm being a, a, um, an imposter. Oh, I'm going to go to this event so I can network. No. I don't, to me, I'm just like, man, I'm going there because I'm going to be in the mix. I'm going to be somebody people want to ask questions or I want to ask questions and just connect with people that I like organically. If they're a janitor, if they're a person in the, in the bathroom that's got their candies and their sprays and I'm talking to them and they got a kind heart and that's somebody I want to have a conversation with, I'd rather have a conversation with them than someone that I'm going to network with and be like forcing a conversation. I'd rather things always be you know, organically. And that's how I've been able to build my relationships because I don't ask nobody for anything. I try not to. It's very hard. It's very hard. Um, and I, I just try to do everything I can to never be in that, in that, in that, um, um, I never try, I, I try to do everything I can to never be in that position of, you know, asking for a favor, asking for favors because, Everyone that's on and doing great, everyone around them is asking for favors, is asking for something, is wanting for something. So, you know, you got to be close to the people you ask for a favor that's not going to be troubling them. And you got to know that you got to deliver on whatever the favor you ask them so you don't make them look bad. Relationships are everything. Protecting your relationships are very important, in my opinion. And it's not just in this industry. And I, I've spoke about this many times on my show. We go through hell to develop these relationships. And this is what people understand. But it's so easy for you. You can just ask. Like, no, I can't just ask. Because I vouch for you. You don't do what you're supposed to do. Not only did you not move ahead with what you were trying to do, but you just cost me what might have took me years. Yep. I spent millions of dollars, bro, in the nightlife. Entertaining, taking care of people, Never getting much back in return, bro. But always taking care of everyone else to get people like, well, how did you meet Rachel Ray? And how did you get this? And how do you get to hang out with this singer and that singer? And how do you friends with all these people? It wasn't even that they were celebrities. Bro. I didn't care. And that, that was, the, I think, the first thing. I didn't care that they're celebrities. Like you said, because what I'm gathering from what you said is being authentic, man. Yeah. I'm going to treat you the same whether you're famous, not famous. If I like you, I like you. If I fuck with you, I fuck with you. I don't yeah. care who the fuck you are. If we're real and we connect, yeah. we connect. Yeah. You know? And, and you got to be able to compartmentalize that and know the difference of like, you know, you got to let 
the people that you would love to be connected to gravitate towards you, you know what I mean? So you don't feel like you're imposing them. Because everybody is imposing. These imposters, they're imposing. They're, they, 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 they're thirsty, and, and the thirsty shit is gross. And it's it comes off so gross that people are just like, they push that away, and they can sense it a mile away. It's like if you're friends with a writer. And they're writing a film. Why even? I, they know who you are. If you're the right person for the part, and they think you're the right person, they'll fucking reach out to you. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's kind of what I think is the right way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Is what you're saying. But just going back to like the core essentials, you know. And this, I think, to me, is like you know, you, you try to open doors, right? I look at people as gateways, different dimensions. You know, you meet someone, and the whole tra- trajectory of your life can change. Like I might be going to the Ukraine at the end of the month. I don't know. You know, we spoke about it. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into which person, but people you've seen in the last couple of weeks on my, my feed. And that might change the whole, literally the whole trajectory of my life. You know, a great way to finish my documentary. I haven't cut the film yet because all this crazy shit keeps happening. You know, meeting you guys for me and for people to understand, I didn't know nothing about LA, bro. The first time I went to LA, first of all, I burned a shitload of money because I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. I thought I was cool. I go to the Beverly Hills Hilton, I rented the penthouse. Not a single person walked in that door, bro. I had a penthouse for no reason. I sat there like an asshole. I didn't know what to do in Hollywood, and I didn't understand Hollywood at all. But that summer when I met you and Rob and all the guys, I just want to thank all of you because you guys really, you guys are my L.A. family, bro. Like, I knew nothing about L.A. I didn't understand how it worked. Rob having patience with me, I think I drove him crazy a couple times asking him questions that may, <laughs> may, may have seemed a little bit like... You know, what the hell is this kid? But I, for me, it wasn't like, oh, I'm trying to do so. I just just wanted education. It's just interesting, man. Yeah. Why not? I'm here already. How does this all work? Yeah. You know, like, what does it be to... I've always just been fascinated by people, what they do for a living. You know, I'm not an actor. But for me, it was like, well, how does this all... Like, it's just... I watch these things on TV. Entourage, for me, brother, is beyond the fact that I love the show. I fucking love it with all my heart. Because it gave us that glimpse into it. Yeah, it taught you. Entourage was very educational for me. I love the show. It brought a good glimpse into our lives about what it's like to try to make it, to become an A-lister, what goes on behind the scenes, agents, Ari Gold, all that. I feel gave people a, a very realistic look into I mean, and now that you've lived all those years, I mean, would you say that that show was pretty accurate to kind of what goes on in that world? 1,000%. It was everybody from the business that's been through hell and back, writing it, producing it, directing it, acting in it, you know, based on Wahlberg's upbringing, how he came up in this game and what he's been through and his, you know, his crew and his friends and everything. I mean, I I started watching Entourage after, you know, because I always knew it was a show about Queens and I wasn't obviously on the show, but I, I I never acted. You know, I wasn't even acting when the show ended. I wasn't even acting when the movie came out. I was just starting. So it was educational for me to watch the world of how the agencies operated, the managers, the studio heads, the 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 the, the friends around. Everybody's like, you know, the, the Johnny drama. Shout out to Kevin Dillon's my man. My boy, he was the best character ever created for television, in my opinion. And I think Nikki C's opinion, he's hilarious. And he was, you know, he, he you know, hit him like, yo, where's my role, bro? You know, like, yo, 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 Vince, is there going to be a role for me, bro? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the, that's the epitome of every friend. And that's just the way it is. 
you know, and I've and I've and I've said that to my friends jokingly too. You know, like yo, let me read for something, bro. You know, throwing it out there, but it's it's always in in good. You know, with you know with people that you're family with, you can say it in a way that you know, hey, if they you know, let me let me read for something. Let me read. That's an that's 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 a good thing for actors. Do not say, yo, is there a role for me? No. Is there an opportunity for me read, for, or can I audition for something? That I might be right for. That's a good, you know, sound soundbite or whatever. You know, that's a good quote. You can use that, whatever suggestion or, uh, um, you know, if anybody, you know, wants to, you know, take my advice and, and try to utilize it. Do not ask in ways that ain't imposing, you know, like where you are like, hey, man, I would love the opportunity to read and show you what I could do for a character you think that I might be a, a good idea as a backup. If you don't get your main TV guy or your, your, your A-list guy, maybe I could read that guy. That cop role, I would love to read for it. You know, because at the end of the day, you're not asking for much because it doesn't cost them anything. It doesn't, you know, you're not imposing. You, you know, they'll be like, sure, we'll have our, you know, have your team reach out to your casting director. Or if you don't have a team yet, like, uh, I'll tell my casting director, what's your email? Done. You know, like, that's small, easy ways to navigate the business without, you know, making people feel like, man, I got to have this guy around every time. I can't even tell him I got something cool happening because he's going to be jumping down my throat for something for him. He's not going to be happy for me. He's going to be happy, for you know, for, for, for what can come for him. And that's the, that's the problem. And, and you just got to be happy for all your friends. And know that your time is coming. Patiently waiting for a track to explode on, like 50. Shout out to 50. One of the best to ever do it. In hip-hop and... And in, and in and, film. And, 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 and beverage and in TV and movies. Genius. Crushing it. Genius. <laughs> Clothing. He's a genius. Um, and we're from pretty much the same neighborhood, and I would love to meet him one day. And he's a... Uh, and would love to work with him. Or just to talk to him because he's, he'll he's, fit. You know, he's definitely one of the the guys that I can compare myself to in a lot of ways, as as just far as you know the upbringing and, and what was around you. What could have pulled you yeah, down completely? Yeah, you know, but <laughs> the dangers of life. I didn't see. I never got shot, but my friend got shot in front of me. You know what I'm saying? And that's reality. I was 16, and he was 18, and he passed away over from cancer. I love him. I miss him, but that's the reality. He got shot in front of me. So, but he didn't. You know, it was it wasn't brutal, but it was brutal enough to Still be scary. a child. It was scary, you know. And it was friends of friends, a neighborhood, people that we all grew up in the same neighborhood it was always that was always a conflict too. So, these little things, I I can you know pull from, you know, where I, I feel like I have the similarities. But that's a lot of anybody that's a kind of like that was raised in the streets or whatever and doesn't have an education and dropped out of school and blah, blah, blah. But a good heart, you know. And um, I know a lot of people that are friends with him and they say he's a fantastic human and got a great heart. So shout out to 50 for, for what he's done in this business and, you know, being from the same area in theory you know it's a it's a it's a it's a very motivational thing 
And very few people can branch out the way he has into so many different industries and succeed. You could say, oh, he got lucky with this or that. You can't even say it. But my point is people could, haters, right? Haters can say, oh, he got. But when my man does it in more than one industry, you got to show love. You got to have have respect for it. Six shows on the air right now, airing. Boom, 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 boom. And about 15 more set up and like 30 more in development. You know what I mean? Like you can't. Shout out to Sean Ringgold, my boy. He's been in a lot of his stuff. A lot of his productions. Yeah, so yeah, you know, like a lot. Shout out to my guys on Power, my, my man Toby. He's on. He's on. He's on Raising Cannon. Just became really, 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 you know, good friends with him. My, my brother Michael Martin. He's a writer on Power, uh, Ghost, and Sammy Horowitz is a is a writer on Force. And they're all, you know, good friends of mine. And Sammy's another cigar smoking. He's always with Rob. You probably see him on all the Instagrams. He's ex fighter. Um, he was in jail, you know, he's a, you know, he, 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 he's a, he's definitely a great, great, I guess, inspiration for people who have done time and come home and become better people. You know, that's, that's a, that's another one. For me meeting you guys, like, uh, you know, my brother that passed and I say my brother cause people don't understand the relationship I had with this man. He was my uncle, I, I but. He was literally my brother. Mm-hmm. And when I lost him, I lost a big part of my life. It took me years to recover from that. That's how the whole comeback team thing started. Because I never realized like just how one life can really... I understand how people fall into depression, can commit suicide. Like, mm-hmm. I get it, man. Like When you lose someone that's that important to you in your life, you feel exposed, you feel naked, you feel... How's life ever going to continue? Fear seeps in, you know? So he loved Entourage, bro. My brother, when I say like, my nickname, his nick, he, he was he was like the Vinny Chase, bro. He wasn't famous as far as acting, but like in New York City, he was he was the king of the city, man. He owned the nightclub right in the heart of Times Square, and uh, I mean, he he gave me the name Beck Lover, right? So for me, it was like I lost a big piece of my life. Yeah, another feeling. So, and he always called me drama, like you know, I'm like mm. the, I'm like the dumb little brother in his mind, you know, like the the the. The one that, you know, the, the little fish that follows the shark. And uh, when I got to become friends with Rob and you guys, you know, for those of you that don't know, Rob was, you know, one of the writers on Entourage. Rob Weiss. Rob Weiss. Yep. So when, first of all, Rob even welcomed me into his, his circle. That's how I met you and everyone else. And for someone that knows nothing about Hollywood, nothing about L.A., you know, to have that type of, you know, to have you guys for me was I don't know if you guys even understand, man. It just I felt like wow, I finally have like people that are cool with me. They they're taking care of me, they're showing me the ropes, they're making sure I don't make a fucking fool of myself. And showed me mad love, man. And so for me it was emotional also because of how much my brother loved that show. I felt like when I was with him and I explained this to Rob too, I'm like, for me it's like my brother would be proud right now. Right. Not only am I in LA it's not I'm like excited I'm excited for you. He'd be like, You're with the guy that wrote the show that I love. That he yeah. loved. It was his favorite fucking show. He loved it. So for me, it was like a circle that was closed. Like where I was like, I haven't given up, big bro. And not only did I give up, but I'm with the, the people that wrote the show that you fucking loved. And they're friends. And it's like an entourage. It's like an, I'm, a, I'm, you know, the least seen character in this real version of it. But. I'll do whatever I can to always help you guys or vice versa. And I fucking love you guys. I hope fucking Rob gets out here one day and yeah. we can have some fun. I'm glad you're in town for a while and we're going to, we're going to have some fun. 
Yeah. And the fact that we're both sober will keep each other out of trouble. Yes. Well, trouble is definitely to those of you who love to drink and, you know, find yourself in trouble all the time. There's a problem. It's a big Stop part. drinking. It's a <laughs> but big if you part. can drink and be fine and and live a good life and you don't you don't harm nobody, you don't put nobody in harm's way, and you're not drinking, and driving, getting twisted, and doing dumb shit, then if you can handle that, then 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 have at it. But if you got a problem and you're definitely waking up with those text messages or those like, what did I do last night? And why am I in jail? I what did I do with my car? It's time to stop. Time to stop. Give waking, it up. Waking up next to Bertha. Give it up. <laughs> Give it the fuck up. And you know, you think, ah, I won't be able to have fun and this and that. I'm having just as much fun, I swear. Uh-oh. So, and I'm, you know me. I hit, the, I hit the thing. It's okay, don't worry. I'm in, I'm out every night. You're out every night. I mean, I'm, I'm exhausted. I ain't, gonna, I ain't gonna lie. I'm exhausted because I've been, I've been going hard because I've been putting myself in the, in the, in, in the mix. Jet lag. And I'm jet, yeah, I just came in from London. I was in, Paris, I mean, I was in uh, Monaco and Cannes and then London for 12 to 15 days, coming from L.A. to there, to here. Now, you had a project there? Is that Why Why did you go to Cannes? Besides so, the, the, so, so, you know, yeah. being in the mix? Yeah, so so I, I'm, a, I'm a man of purpose, right? I want to be somewhere if there's a purpose, right? I don't like to just go to go and, you know, I, that's something that I, I, I don't find attractive or... Um, necessary or productive i'm all about being productive and a movie that we did in jersey called jersey bread was being sold there and i'm one of the leads and i'm a producer on it so is that what goes so explain let's always take it from the perspective that people that are listening or watching have no idea how the game works and most of us don't brother i didn't know how the game works so there's two versions of what kansas right kansas is obviously a film festival where all these like elite Films like like I don't know if at least the right word, but like these great artsy films with these huge or just new up and coming directors or up and coming actors or big actors or independent movies, or they either get in competition or screened, you know, for the first time they screened like uh you know um the uh the um the the Killers of the Flower Moon, which is Scorsese, De Niro, and 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 uh and 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 DiCaprio. So they they they'll they'll screen like movies that nobody's seen yet or there's movies in competition to win the SAG, I mean, uh, the, the Cannes, you know, awards or whatever the, the, the award ceremonies are for them. And then there's the market. There's the market, which is held in the same hotel where they premiere the movies. And that market is pretty much where independent films are sold. So all these different sales agencies and distributors go there to sell Movies. Is it the most important gathering you think for film? Is it? I think Kansas is probably the biggest. And then what? Number two, Sundance. Maybe Sundance in Berlin. But these are the, that's what these types of things are. Yeah. Right? So basically, if it's not made from the studio, like Universal or whatever, mm-hmm. if it's independently made with whatever money, however they do it, mm-hmm. they then go there and say, "Hey, you want to distribute this for us?" Well, there's two things. What you can do is you can submit your unfinished movie or your your unreleased movie to Cannes. Right, you submit it. If they accept it, now you're in competition, as you know any uh, award ceremony. You know, for best director, best actor, best producers, best picture, blah blah blah. 
cans is that it, it, i mean that that's one of them but then there's the market where you can sell independent movies like our movie was in the market jersey bread was in the market it's um it's pretty much like a sales agent is i, I mean I, I, how do i f- phrase this without making it sound low grade it's say we have 15 cars that we want to sell we open up a little lot and put them on the lot and these are the prices you know what i mean like but they put them on they put them in this like boots or these these bigger bigger boots or they take a whole hotel room and they have all their movies in there and buyers come in and see oh how much for bulgaria We'll buy it for Bulgaria. Oh, we won't buy it for Bulgaria. And here's an offer. And that's how they sell, carve out all these territories to sell. I think I'm phrasing it right. I'm, I'm really not educated as well in sales agencies because I'm not, that's not what I do. But that's what I'm, that's what I think is, is, the, is, the, is, the, is the base of it. Very important gathering of the entire film industry of the world in one location with all the A-listers, everyone that's in the industry, mm-hmm. filmmakers, film buyers, Huge distributing parties. companies. Huge events. Everybody is there. It's all industry, man. It's all industry. And I was in some parties that, you know, again, that was very, very hard to get into. And I was lucky enough, you know, to, to, to get in, you know. Gordon, Ali, you know, would, would get me into the Richie Akiva stuff, you know. Like, he, he didn't know me, you know. And, and, yeah, we're all New Yorkers. But, you know, I'm, 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 I'm the new guy on the block. So these parties were, you know, exclusive, and I don't, I don't want to name names, but I mean, they were just yeah, the one percent of the one percent, and the A list guys are all in there, and you're just like, how the fuck am I in here? Wow, you, you it takes you back because it's like, I know what it's like to not be able to get in the room. I know what it's like to not be able to, you know, feel. The, the love or feel like like I'm accomplished or I did anything. But now that I had purpose to be there, I just directed a film. I was showing the teaser around, sending it to whatever people that would even care to have a conversation. You directed something? I want to see the teaser. I have something that I can show. Oh, my movie's being sold here. You know, Glass House is selling our movie and that's the hotel at the, the, the whatever the Regal, whatever the hotel name was. I forgot which one it was. But that's the, and then I've never been here. So, you know, I wanted to see what it's like. And then to go to Monaco, F1 was just a whole other experience, you know, just a whole it's different amazing, level. It's an amazing thing. You, did, brother. you got mm-hmm. to go there to pursue what you're, you're going after in this yeah. world. You got to see the F1. You got to see Monaco. Mm-hmm. And you got to go with someone who's basically like a brother to you. Yeah. Looked out for you. Yeah. One million percent. Open doors. Yeah. Open, yeah. And this is where I tell people when you're authentic and after a while people see the true nature of your heart and it's not just what can I get, what can I get. When they see the chance to help you and they feel like, I love helping people, bro. Yeah. My problem is maybe too much and sometimes I leave myself on the back burner and there's the other side of that, right? When you help way too much and you forget yourself. On my 40th birthday, I swear I would be selfish because I'm not getting any younger. I got to make some moves now for myself. I know. I know Um, the feeling. But when you find these people in your life, these are the ones you hold on to, brother. Uh. People like Gordon. Yep. You hold on to them. And you oh, never you just, forget. You, you, we, we all help each other, you know? Everybody's, everybody that's, that's done something for me, we've done a lot for each other. 
in the past and we've always, you know, been that way and always look out. How can we help each other? How can I do something for you? How could you do something for me? You know, and not, and, and not, I'm going to do something for you to get something out of it, but that's what the conversation is. Oh, I got you. I'm going to take care of you on this. Oh, that's perfect, man. We appreciate the opportunity. And I always say, repay you with this. You know, they're authentic. They'll say, "Hey, you know what? I remember what you you don't even have to say it. Yeah, don't have to say it. That's when you know it's left unsaid. You know, and that's when you know you were the real crew. And those are the people you hang on to. So just to recap, and then we'll move to the next thing. In a nutshell, based everything you went because you went there not knowing anyone, knowing anything. What do you think the most important for someone moving to LA that wants to break an industry? What's the what can we do to maybe? Point them. I feel like a lot of people were lost there, bro. When I was hanging out in Hollywood, I was like, everyone's an actor, everyone's this, everyone's yeah. that. People were people were contacting me that lived in LA for years, pursuing and type have of stuff. no clue what to do. And I'm starting. To, I, I didn't realize, brother. Like I said, I'm not in the industry. I don't know. And they're like, how are you hanging out with this guy? And how they see me, like you know, Rob. I've been trying to meet him for years, and I'm like realizing, like, wow, I'm really lucky. I mean, I'm not an actor or anything like that, but they were blown away because, like you said being in the mix, you know, but my intentions weren't about that. We met organically. Everything that happened was organic. It wasn't, oh, I'm trying to be an actor. Let me go after this guy. That guy. It was, it started with authentic feelings, mm-hmm. friendship, discussion, fun. That's, that's the best way to do it. My but advice is. Do, so what do they do first? Try to find it. Like basically what I want to do is summarize it. Do they have to find an agent for like, what, what are the steps just in a nutshell that they should do automatically off the bat to get the ball rolling to try to pursue a career in acting or filmmaking? Besides the obvious, just go to film school or whatever. What um, does someone do if they have no experience, they know they want to be an actor? If you're an actor and you don't have any connections, try to become PA for short films. For What's that mean? Independent, that? A, a, a personal assistant. Small, it's like you, you, you go get the coffee. Be a PA. That's my best advice. Go be a PA because you're gonna you'll 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 meet everybody in the mix and you can say I'm an actor, you know, like you know, I've, and I'm, I'm I'm working. This is I'm in working in the industry that is going. It's like it's like like uh, you know, starting off as a in the mailroom at CAA, then you gradually grow up. You know what I mean? Like starting at a PA in any in, in any of the industries like TV or film. Or commercials, you're starting in the, as a PA, you meet everybody. And then if you're a good person and you, you give and you don't ask and you just, you know, you're there for everybody, whether, you know, it's, it, it's it, you put in free work, work for free. Best advice, work for free because it comes back. Put that in. If you're a PA and if you're an actor and you're going to classes and you're doing the regular, because going to get a manager, an agent, you're going to find people that are going to be like, like they gotta super, they gotta believe in you so much that they gotta they gotta sit there and want to make ten dollars for every hundred bucks you make. You know what I mean? It's a lot of work for them, so you gotta do a lot of the groundwork yourself. And that's the hard part. You gotta it's, show them the promise that you're worth spending time. Yeah, on. and and having an agent and a manager and all that is is key once you get to a certain platform. You know because you can't, you, they can't help launch you. If you have no credits, if you have never done anything, you have to earn that stuff. And you got to, and it's even hard for me to get, you know, I just signed with Sovereign with Anthony Roblos, you know what I mean? Like he, you know, and, 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 and Peter Young, like those guys, you know, they believed in me. The first thing they sent me out on, I booked NCIS last episode ever for now. One of the biggest TV shows on CBS. The first thing I booked was that show. First thing I, they, they sent me out on. So 
it took a long time to get an agency behind me. And I've been working. I mean, I got a lot of credits. I got 14, 15 movies that just came out. You know what I mean? And, and like, and five of them are in post-production still. So. And 10 years of grinding, brother. 10 years of being brutally punched in the face. And that's the reality. So you got to be able to go and start at the bottom. PA, background. If you if you, if you want to meet other actors that are like in the mix and they're, and they're doing background. And then, that, then, you know, that's how you can start, you know, hopefully get your SAG card. You know, get. Um, it's hard to get a SAG card, yeah. Very hard if you never done a movie or you never done a commercial. You gotta, you gotta work like three days consecutive or a certain amount of hours to get Taft Heart lead. And then once you are SAG eligible, you gotta pay like thirty five hundred bucks. So for an actor who's not making any money, it's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. So oh, they have payment plans and stuff like that. But still, that's the the best advice I can give is. Start at the bottom. Start in the mailroom. The mailroom is PA. The mailroom is, you know, being a driver, working for free. Work for free. I, I You can't afford me? I'm here for free. Be a personal assistant. Be an intern. Intern for a, a big director. Intern for a studio. Intern for CBS. Intern. Because you will make connections that way. Not sitting at the cafe or working at the bar thinking like, hey, man, I'm an actor, man, uh, you know, and, and, and not even getting a co-star in 10 years because you need to be around the people that are going to, one, like you as a person. Nobody wants to work with people they don't like. If you're toxic, nobody's going to want you around. It's a couple of big celebrities that went down that way. Their careers are nowhere. We won't mention their names, but I've read the stories. They were unbearable so, to, to work with. Yeah, so that's, that. to me, it's like, you know, we all get tired. We all have issues no matter what the parameters are no matter what the how relative it is to everybody's got problems with bills everybody's got this everybody's got that nobody wants to hear your problems we all got them no matter what so don't come in with that energy come in with positive smile it's the best you know laughing is the best medicine you can ever you know use it's the cheapest medicine it's the best laugh be be someone that is a joy to be around. Don't be a Debbie down. Oh, oh, I ain't getting this. Oh, oh, crying about things. Nobody wants to be, be a man. Be a man. Yeah, be a man or, you know, or a strong be, woman. be a strong woman and, and uh, be strong in whatever you, whatever you are in. All good. But just do it from a place of kindness and a place of authenticity. Do it with um, confidence and do it from a real place. Don't make that manufactured or fabricate that or be an imposter that way either because people will sense that, you know? Do what you can for what you're worth and give your best in every way you can. How do you stay in the game mentally for 10 years, brother? How do you stay positive, man? Uh, like, you're going out, like, you weren't going out, like, and, you know, I know I'm going to see you do your thing. I, I truly believe in what you're doing and you. what you're going to do because you're just too hungry, and I think you're undeniable. I think... Thank you. By the grace of God. Um, but 10 years, you know, to stay in the game that long, a lot of people give up way before that. Yeah. Two, three years, there must have been dark moments. Oh. How many times do you ever question, should I keep doing this? What the hell am I doing? Should I never questioned it because I don't have another place to go. So once you made up your mind, that was I made it. made up my mind. I know you burned your boat, as they yeah, say. Yeah, I don't have any questions to ask myself anymore about this business. I just got to just know that it's so hard. And it's a lottery when you win. It's a lottery. You know, it's very hard. So you got to just get in there and 
give it your all and pray for the best. Expect the worst. I've seen you in a lot of shots with Sly. Worked with him? You've done stuff with him? Or I help. Just- I help. Well, that's from Nikki Cardasco, who's his partner in the Sly Stallone shop. I help them a lot with the 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 order. Um, the awesome or, stuff, by the way. Or, yeah, the, the the shirts is great. Do they got from the, my size, bro? Huh? Do they got yeah, 3X? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got 3X? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. For Uncle the, the, I'll call all, it the uh, Uncle Paulie size. Yeah, right? they, they got all the, the, the great Sly, you know, of the Rambo, the, the 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 Rocky, the memorabilia they have, the, all the, you know, stuff is is, is, is phenomenal from, from, you know, the years of all his amazing work. What but, was it um, like the first time you met him? It was, uh, it was with Rob at Grand Havana Room. Me and Rob met him. Because Nikki was there, but and and Nikki came and introduced us to him and Avi Lerner. And I was just with Avi Lerner in Cannes. We were on the boat on the way to the to the to the one boat. We were on the tender to the other boat, and I saw him. We were talking. And he was like, "You got to come with me to the thing." I was like, "Yeah, I met you with Sly," and uh, you know, and he was like, "Oh, that's the Sly. Oh yeah, yeah. He's you know, he's a legend. Avi Lerner, you know, Millennium Films. Um, he um, you know, meeting him was 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 you know." A dream come true, you know, it was awesome because he was awesome. You know, shook your hand, looked at you, you know, how are you, you know, cool. And then, you know, I mean, the guys showed me a lot of love, you know, I, I you know, I, it's, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm a lucky guy to be in his, in, you know, be considered a friend, you know. And I felt like that too many times in my life with some of the people I've become friends with. Some of my friends are the biggest pop stars in the world. And, you know, I was in my darkest moment. This year, I had a really rough year, not to get into yeah, my personal too. life, like really bad year. Um, but all of a sudden I go viral and or I meet this. like, And so like, I feel like God throws you these little alley-oops, man. You know, even if nothing comes of it, it's like just a boost in morale, man. Yeah. So, you know, to, to have the relationships you have, some of the things I've made, these things I think really help you keep pushing forward i call them injections of inspiration you start, little injections but i don't think they're random and i don't think they're by accident and i do believe yes hard work but i also believe in, in destiny and when you start to believe that you can do what it is you're going to do yeah i mean i'm starting to f- i i feel like i'm at the cusp you know I, it's, I, it's I, coming I, I feel it every day now it took a while to get here but you know i feel it it's still a struggle it's not like the best you know scenarios to be in when you still got to fight for every little thing but i you know i'm gonna claw my way to the top that i can you know i'm gonna do whatever i can to get there you know with 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 a good heart and good intentions because i don't I, i've gotten here and i've never done anything wrong so i'm in a good place you made a, a great video on your instagram the other day and uh you know i had the pleasure of meeting your friend um that time we were at craig's and i didn't you know I didn't realize, you know, he was very humble. Um, and um, I'm like, man, you look so familiar and this and that. And he was like, nice. He shook my hand and everything. Then I see you guys leaving the Rolls Royce. And I'm like, oh. and then he's, and then you told me later, he was like, that's the guy that founded. He's one of the co-founders of MySpace. MySpace. Ted Danik. Yeah, yeah. Really um, chill guy. And then I saw the video he posted like two weeks ago, I think it was. And you're like, in the, you know, you're in the car with him. You know, you're in a beautiful Rolls Royce. You're yeah. cruising through what looked like. One of 33 made. Like right off Sunset Boulevard, look like, yeah, yeah. and you, you said, "Listen, you know," and that's what I appreciate about your, you know. Yes, I know you're a professional actor, you're a producer, but I also really do enjoy, and my audience would be foolish not to follow you. I do enjoy your 
organic content, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for social media. And you said, you know, like, you know, you're not embarrassed to say I'm not the smartest guy. I haven't always been the smartest. I'm not smart, but I know I'm smart enough to know. To be the dumbest guy in the room. To be the dumbest guy in the room. I'm with this guy, and the, you see him. It's mm-hmm. the guy that founded, you know, MySpace. So, like, that video for someone that's in the motivational world, because that's what I consider myself, someone that yeah, tries yeah. to inspire people to not give up. I think it's brilliant content. I hope you continue to do stuff like that because I don't think you realize it inspires me, brother. Thank you. Because I need that's my inspire little, me too, man. That's my Thank boost you. when I see. Okay, I see my guy. He's doing his thing. You know, <clears throat> there's a lot in common building these friendships, and you know, so please keep doing that also because yeah. don't sleep on social media, brother. No, I I try not to. I think uh, I think you have a lot to offer the world in that aspect, and I hope people that listen today. Um, understand kind of what it's like to leave new york leave everything chase you know the dream 10 years up and down all kinds of different things you're in the rooms with with the right people right now brother you just got back from can i'm excited about your future i can't wait to see what you do next i'll leave it one last thing if you had to say anything to anyone that's listening right now you know i don't know what's the hardest thing you've ever been through and i don't know if you feel like even talking about it but can you give me a time you were going through maybe the worst time ever in your life and how you think you got out of that? Um, my mother was killed in a car crash in 2004. That's how I lost my brother. It's the worst thing I've ever been through in my life. And I don't think I could ever go through something as worse unless it's my own child, God forbid. If I have kids, I want kids. But um, yeah, that was the roughest and most toughest thing I ever went through in my life. And it still crushes me every every day. But that moment, man, I would never, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. On the worst person in the world, I wouldn't wish them to go through what I went through if they loved their mother. But if you're a horrible person, you don't love your mom. <laughs> it's just, you're not, you're not a good person if you're... In I mean, normal situations. In normal there situations. There might be some mothers out there that, brother, yeah, yeah, they yeah. shouldn't have been mothers. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I, you know, I had a similar experience. I mean, brother, you know, and I always tell people, I don't care how old someone's mom is. She could be 110 years old. Mom is mom. You know, I, that's, you know, the thought of me losing my mother has brought me to tears many times in my life. Brutal. Just like, just the thought of the day when I lose her. I'm blessed to still have her. But, you know, do you remember, I mean, how did you find out? If you don't mind me asking. Um, was it a phone? I found out through a phone call. I found out from a phone call. Well, my... Me and my ex-wife, Jasmine, were at the bar down the block from my house, and my f- my mother was in Puerto Rico. My father was at at the hospital. He just had spinal surgery. So my mom was with my cousin's mother, which is my aunt, Aurea, and they were in Puerto Rico visiting my aunt, who lives in Puerto Rico, in my, in my grandma's house. And they... My phone rings, my cell, and it's from my landline in my house, and nobody's in my house. And I'm like, what? So when I pick it up, it's my cousin, Tony. And he's like, get home now. I knew my mom was dead. He's like, get home now. And I knew it right there. That was it. Because he wouldn't be in my house. He lived all the way in Brentwood, Long Island at the time. He wouldn't be in my house in Queens on Jamaica Avenue. He would, he is, and I haven't seen him in probably six or seven years before that. And you still don't know until you get to the house, right? Oh, I didn't know until I got to the house. But, but that, 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 that panic. Feeling, yeah, the panic was. So brutal. for me, I, I get to work. My aunt calls me and she's like, get to your brother's house now. You know, 
I say my brother again. It's my uncle. People don't understand that. I can't yeah, use. Yeah, yeah. I cannot use the word uncle. Yeah, you, you guys were raised together. Exactly. Yeah, and he was everything to me. He was my Vinny Chase, and I was his Rama. Like in that aspect of brotherly. So, I remember. You know, I already knew. She, I was. I already knew someone was dead. I knew most likely it was him. She was like, "Just get to this house." Nah, nah, nah. I just got to. I'm, I remember being flabbergasted. Like, how do I clock out? Like, I was just like already lost. And then I'm in the cab. My my cousin calls me and he goes, "He's dead." I lost my fucking mind, bro. In that cab, I feel so bad for that cab driver, the poor guy. If you again, I've apologized many times, and I'm I'm punching the roof and I'm going fucking crazy. And uh, it took years to get back up, brother. Years. And so, again, it's hard to talk about these things, but I want people that are listening to understand. If you're hurting right now, you lost somebody. Mm-hmm. We have two. Oh yeah. And it's so easy to give up. But I always challenge them with one thought. And it's probably a thought that entered your mind too. What would your mom have wanted at that time of darkness? What would my brother tell me if he could? What he always told me. Don't give up. Life is hard. Don't give up. And we continue on in our lives. And you've turned your life around tremendously. Mm -hmm. right? You had, I guess, drinking or whatever. Yeah. You went through some dark times. You could have been pulled into it. So the bottom line is life is a war. You never give up. Battles are lost as long as we don't lose the war, brother. I always say when that clock runs out, what side of life was I on? The positive side mm-hmm. or the negative? So I want to be on the positive. Only positive. With no that negativity. said, I got my man Lorenzo. We're going to have him back again. I can't wait to see him and the rest of the L.A. crew out there. Please follow his social media. Show my man some love. He's one of us on the East Coast, but we're all American at the end of the day. Yep. This is the Beck Lover Podcast, where you might learn a thing or two about life. We'll see you next time. Thanks for having me, guys. Love Appreciate you, it. Love you too, brother.